Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the, I believe, 11th week yes, of sir. the uh, summer 2017 anime season. I am your host, Dustin, and with me today is Larry. Hello. Ben. Howdy. And my dear friend, Aaron, who's probably grinding out his light level in Destiny as we speak. No, no, I stopped. Amazing. Oh. Amazing. That's why the ground shook. Alright, so as always, you can find show notes for this episode at www.projecthari.net or at www.audioentropy.com. Uh, now, I believe I, I didn't even, I wasn't able to get it recorded before I'm recording this episode, but uh, I believe by the time this comes out, um, Luke, uh, Luke and I uh, should have recorded our little segment about Kimono Friends, so that will likely go right here. Actually, it won't because Luke's audio got corrupted and lost, so we're going to have to re-record it. Whoopsie. Okay, cool. I just re- wanted to remember to do that because uh, apparently when I was editing uh, the episode that was two episodes ago, uh, when we did Spirit Pact, I completely forgot to put in a segment in the intro where I introduced it, so I had to do it manually, so that's real fun. <laughs> Oh, it's a, little, it's a little work. Oh, spirit! Oh, spirit packed. <laughs> I gave up on that after the first episode. Yeah, it's it, it wasn't like it. It wasn't offensive to our souls, but it was bad. Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about Princess Principle, episode ten, uh, which will kind of set the tone. I feel for this particular episode of Podcast, where most everything re- we review has decided to have a very dark episode <laughs> yeah uh, okay, yeah th- so, this so... Th- th- this episode of princess principle like i i'm not sure if it immediately starts but very very quickly it starts with a flashback uh to Ange and dorothy's experiences though mostly Ange's experiences on what they call the farm uh E-I-E-I-O. which is this country's uh, basically, spy training camp for promising young girls. <clears throat> where, it, where if you're not, where if you're not a good enough spy, you will just disappear, and no one will ever hear from you again. <laughs> yes, you get expelled. Yeah, they never really make it clear if they just straight up murder these women, but I mean, come on. I mean, look, there, they there's could no way they're them. just letting them go with all that training and secrets Maybe. known. Look, they could have just neuralized them. You don't know. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> they they went to a nice farm upstate. <laughs> yeah, e i e i o. Uh, they, yeah, presumably there's a separate there's a separate place where they where they train the male agents. I'd like Maybe, to think that they I, don't have male agents. I have yet to see any male spies. <laughs> yeah, even the duke's uh, henchwoman. That's it. Yeah. yeah, it it kind of feels like in this universe at least, just men just aren't spies. It's like, no, you aren't fit to be spies. Just go out on the front lines and shoot people with guns. I don't. Oh, well, they have some, they have some dudes in control. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean of course because it's still a patriarchy. Uh, yeah, there is one woman in control. Stuff. Yeah, bad or indifferent. Yeah, no, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, but uh, anyway. So yeah, I do. I do like those flashbacks where 
uh, it shows Ange being a phenomenal overachiever. And then, like, one of the girls there is like, oh, come on, guys, don't try so hard. Like, yeah, that's immediately... Dorothy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, oh right, that was Dorothy. <laughs> I like how Dorothy is the one saying that after we get the scene uh, with Ange saying that, you know, they would just disappear, the ones who weren't doing so well. <laughs> Dorothy does not care. Uh but yeah, the the main plot of this episode is um, Ange, Dorothy, and Beatrice teaming up to uh, rendezvous with um, Ange's former classmate in the farm, who is like the second place all the time, and uh, extract some. I can't remember what the heck that serum was. No, it was just documents that they had to extract. The serum oh, was, was the drug that she was on. Okay, alright, yeah. So they were sent there to extract documents. But the real mission was actually to spy on Ange's former, Ange and Dorothy's former uh, classmate and make sh and check to see if she has gone rogue. Switch to the dark side. Yes. Yeah. I do, I do like the scenes where... I cannot remember her name, but where uh, their classmate is all like, why Perfect. did you bring this useless girl along in reference to Beatrice? Wait, say that again? You kind of cut out. Oh, yeah. I, I like the scene oh. where uh, she's asking them, like, hey, why did you take Beatrice along? She's kind of useless. Uh, and that, it, Yes, until it turns uh -oh. out she's not useless. Uh. Oh, is, is, is my connection messing up here you're kind of cutting in and out a bit dustin okay yeah looks like my wi-fi is screwing up of course we change one thing and three other gremlins come up ah good times all right i think it's better now leave your recording um, running leave your recording he running. not hear us all right yeah no, I can hear you. Okay. It's just that uh, my Wi-Fi adapter was uh, uh, cutting out occasionally. Oh, poke it. Yeah, <laughs> hit, hit it with right. a hammer. I, I have one with your name on it. Anyway, as I was saying, um, one of my favorite parts of this episode was when uh, they first meet their classmate. And uh, she's all, why did you bring Beatrice along? She's useless. You'll see. <laughs> Yeah, she, yeah. She, she brought she brought them puppies to their knees. Yeah, and then yeah, and then they get to the part where it's like, okay, well, there the documents are in this shed, but the problem is, is that there's like twenty dogs out there, yeah. and Beatrice does just like the sort of like super high pitch past human hearing, uh, thing with her voice box, and like all the puppies just like fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that the off sound. Yeah. yeah. And, it was and, great. And by the way, the classmate's name is Perfect. Yeah, that's I thought it was the Prefect. Old... Oh, same difference. Pre prefect. <laughs> Not really. No, no, Prefect Prefect was Prefect was her descriptor. Like, yeah, because... that's the only thing they've ever called her though. In the entire episode. <clears throat> that's alright. It all worked out in the end, sort of. 
Yeah, I one of my favorite parts of this episode actually was the sort of multiple I know that you know that I, I knew going on. Okay, that's not true. She's called Miss Eleanor by the old guy when she's first oh, okay. introduced. Okay. But still. All right. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed how the sort of final parts of the episode go, where it's essentially like multiple spies trying to think ahead of each other. So, like, you have you have her setting the trap for Ange, but Ange deliberately sprung the trap. <laughs> and then you get to the end, and it looks like Ange screwed up, but actually Ange intentionally screwed up so that it would put Dorothy in a position where she would have to go into the train. And uh, because, the, because Eleanor is her friend, Eleanor would suicide instead of having to have Dorothy shoot her in the, in the face. Well, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of supposition there, but yeah. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, I thought it was interesting that yeah, that that Dorothy was the one that Eleanor really looked up to, even though she wasn't the highest achiever. Yeah, I I kind of like that too. Um because it also kind of helps Dorothy as well, uh because uh, because like Ange is very much the main character of the show, and for that reason, the show tends to emphasize how amazing of a spy Ange is. Um, <laughs> but by putting uh, Eleanor in there, you're able to get across the idea that Ange may be a very good spy, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she is someone to be emulated. Um, and in fact, like it in some ways. Dorothy is um, Dorothy is someone who is almost a, a little bit better in that perspective because she's been able to balance her personal needs and desires and emotions. Uh, she's been able to balance those better with her spy activities than Ange has. Because Ange has kind of like suppressed a lot of those uh, emotions that she used to have in service of being a spy. Whereas Dorothy has just been kind of like, now nah, screw that. I'm just going to keep being Dorothy and I'm going to just use that to, I'm going to, I'm going to use that in service of being a spy ra rather than like suppressing everything that makes me, me. Yeah. Black lizard planet strikes again, but that could just be uh, my biased interpretation of it because I like Dorothy a lot. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's yeah, right. Because the thing about yeah, right. Because the thing about because uh, the thing about Ange is that even though she's hyper competent, but she, as a person, she's sort of closed off. Whereas Dorothy is not, and. You know, so, so Dorothy seems more accessible on a personal level. It's also what makes Dorothy a particularly effective leader, and probably why she is the leader of the group and not Ange, is because, you know, she she very much still has her personality intact uh, and is able to use that not just to deceive men who love <laughs> boobs, uh, but also to... Uh, bring a bunch of disparate people together into a functional team. <clears throat> Although I really like 
when Ange and Dorothy are up on the train and it fly, and it goes back to Beatrice driving the car. Yeah, oh yeah, Beatrice is like, yeah, it's like I can't do this, and she immediately crashes into a snowdrift. <laughs> yeah, oh, poor Beatrice. Look, you so, gotta learn the hard way, Beatrice. Trial <laughs> by what? fire. You know, the thing about I, I actually I actually really appreciate Beatrice's character development over the course of this over the course of the show. Because when she was first introduced, she was just like really annoying. But yeah. but now she's more likable. Yeah, yeah, she is. She she's definitely improved over the course of the show. Um to the point where, like, she's not my favorite character, but she's a very entertaining one. Uh, and partly because, like, she's still, she's still uh, among all of them the most amateur spy. Uh, but she still sort of is like, well, I guess I'm just doing this now. <laughs> so, like, she'll, she'll give it, she'll give it her darndest. <laughs> I don't know. Chisa is a pretty bad spy, too. I, okay, yeah, that's true. Chisa is a, She's is a bad spy who makes up for it by being able to kill dudes very well. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let, let's get to the to the general walking in. Oh, well, ho- hold on. And then okay. there's the weird scene with Chise and Princess, uh, looking at the the metal uh, talk thing. Yeah. The that's supposed to be bamboo. Yep. The timekeeper. That's piece. just in there for no apparent reason. Maybe. I can't like, remember hey, that scene. These, this is oh. what these girls are doing. <clears throat> I like it just pops out of nowhere and then goes back to the the thing. It's it's weird. Uh-huh. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a I guess she's uh, trying to get across some of her culture. I I thought it was amusing. It was just it was just weirdly placed. It, it seems like it was a cut scene from the previous episode. I don't even remember it, so... <laughs> it's around uh, nine minutes. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, then we get the scene where Dorothy has the gun to Prefect, and then she pulls out her own gun, and I was entirely waiting for Ange to shoot the gun out of her hand. And yeah. it didn't happen. I, I I was figuring that two things would happen, and I wasn't sure which one was more likely. It was either that, sort of my, my two immediate suspicions were that either Ange was going to just shoot her in the head immediately, or that she was committing suicide. Uh, turns out the second suspicion was right. Like, I'm, and I'm real surprised that they just, they showed everything. Yeah, I was expecting, because... Uh, in basically every anime where someone murder, where someone's goat suicide, uh, goes suicide by gun, uh, you you hear like they'll show like the trigger like pull back, and then it'll cut to some other scene like the landscape, and you'll hear the bullet. Yeah, you'll that hear does the not happen in Princess Principle. No, no, it doesn't, and it was real <laughs> effective. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, now, uh, now that she's good and dead, we move on. Yeah, and then it gets worse, uh, because when we get back to base, uh, the general's there, and he's like, hey, good work, folks. By the way, I fired your old manager, 
I fired your I fired your old boss. Also, your next mission is to kill Princess. And my is how is Be- they can't use Beatrice. Uh, in fact, Beatrice can't know anything about this. So how's this going to work out? I. Uh, I firmly believe that none of, I don't even think Dorothy is going to be okay with this. And Dorothy has sort of been the one who's kind of been the most, you know, let's just follow orders person. Yeah. Uh, I don't think any of them are going to at all even consider following orders. Uh, Do the orange mutiny ring a bell? Oh, I don't know about that. But one of the things that has, I've always found interesting from the, uh, the opening is that uh, at the very end, when Ange catches Princess, she then flips around and points her gun at everyone else. Yeah, I, 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 fi- I figured that was always a stylistic choice. I mean, it could be that it's relevant, but also it's an opening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just think it would be real cool if... I mean, I don't know. I feel like that would go against a lot of their characters, because, like... Obviously, Ange is not going to betray Princess. That would be insane from a character yeah. writing standpoint. Well, it'd be betraying uh, yourself. I don't... Uh, Beatrice obviously won't. Um, I seriously doubt that Dorothy would. I think... um, really, the only one who'd be even likely would be Chise, but also she doesn't have really any reason to follow orders. Mm-hmm. from this new guy it's not she's not really an official team member also i just saw the the weird at two minutes 56 seconds part of the opening like Anne transforms into this frog thing what <laughs> i'm serious hold on wait like, like watch I... it at, at 254 Okay, because like I've I've watched the opening every single time, and I do not you, know what. Wait a minute, did I my can't hero remember act- what the heck that is. Wait a minute, frog. Did my that's hero that's not a frog out? thing. That's just her being backlit. No, no, no. Keep watching. What I don't. Oh, okay, that. All right, I don't. I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, right. Wait a minute. Did my hero academy uh, infect this anime? And we didn't know it. There's frogs now. No, no. Ange is not froppy. <laughs> <clears throat> wouldn't it be awesome if she were though that said if Froppy were in Princess Principal she wouldn't really be that out of place <laughs> no she wouldn't uh, so for for those that don't have it up okay but yeah it's yeah I don't know it that seems like it's probably like a backstory between Ange and uh, oh it's not a frog it's a lizard uh, oh black lizard planet okay alright all right. yeah all okay, right. hence, yes, totally makes sense. Which, uh, I imagine that uh, in these next couple episodes we'll be getting the backstory on what exactly Black Lizard Planet is, and it's almost certainly some sort of like entertainment thing that I'm guessing both Ange and Princess bonded over. Maybe, yeah. <clears throat> or it's just uh, Ange's way of dealing with life not being the princess. I mean, maybe, but also I think it's definitely rooted in a story that she has, uh, that had an effect on her, some some sort of play or book or something. Uh, yeah, because we still don't know where she actually gets the phrase Black Lizard Planet. 
I'd like to think she's just completely made it up, and like that's it. There's no, there's no deep meaning behind it. It's just no. One day I, I thought it sounded cool, so I made it up, it's, and that's what I've the, been rolling with. It's the Jack Shot Mark Three of <laughs> Princess Principal. Yeah, there exactly. is no Jack Shot Mark Two. <laughs> sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give this episode a five. Yeah, oh it's a five. Yeah. yeah I, now I gotta figure out what we're good. doing for next week. Let's see, we got there's at least only two, two more episodes. I was gonna say we got at least two episodes left. Nope, just two. It I ends at right. twelve so far. Uh, you never know. Which, you is, know, second which season. is very, very unfortunate. Although I get the feeling that next episode and the episode after are gonna be continuations. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be a two parter. That All would right. be hilarious if they just like the last two episodes were just uh take place before this episode. <laughs> like they just left, they just left it as a cliffhanger. See, see, I think it would actually be more amusing if they resolve this conflict in episode eleven, and then episode twelve is like, let's have a party. <laughs> <laughs> beach yeah, episode. Beach episode. Yeah. I was with Aaron. Yeah. Beach episode. Dorothy gets Dor- Dorothy gets everyone just completely smashed on wine. Yeah. She say says, you know, I still need to get this womanly weapon developed. Yep. yep. Drunk, yep. drunk yep. Beatrice, everyone. Look, look forward oh, to it. Oh, God, that would be hilarious. <laughs> I just, all I wanted to see Chisei stuffing her uh, her uh, her bathing suit. Yeah. Oh, God. Anyway, Trying to keep up with Dor- Dorothy. No one can keep up with Dorothy. No. <laughs> it's impossible. You'd have, to, you'd have to waste so many tissues. Uh, boxes? Uh, We're talking just, boxes here. I'm sorry, but uh, we are talking Anyway, Fate, Fate Apocrypha, episode 11. More fighting. More, lots of fighting. So much fighting. Uh, oh, uh, Mordred gets armor damage. Like, it's a late-era Soul Calibur game. <laughs> uh, this episode was fine. Like, I... I really can't think of much to say about it other than, yeah, the fight scenes were good because, like, there's not much else going on, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Which, is what, which again, is one of the strengths of Fate Apocrypha, honestly, because I've always felt sort of the, whenever Fate tries to get, like, real, like, deep, that it shoots itself in the foot a lot. Um, so it's not necessarily a bad thing that this episode was very shallow, it just also makes it hard to actually review in our typical style. Yeah, where it gets really interesting is at the end where, like, yeah, where, like, where Vlad, you know, where Vlad is basically losing to the, uh, to the other Lancer because he's not in his home. Because, you know, because he's, in, you know, he invading, he's invading the Flying Castle, so he's not defending his home ground, which means his, he's much less powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I like that. Also, I like that his motivation to obtain the Grail is not for like power or wisdom or anything. He just wants people to stop like calling him Dracula. Yeah, just stop linking him with that. It's like, please stop it. I'm not actually a vampire. I'm just a dude who really loves spikes too much. <laughs> I just really like impaling people. All right, I'm not yeah. some sort of monster. Yeah, I'm not weird. I just love impaling. (laughs) 
Also, we then get the the Hanging Gardens of Babylon over the castle, sucking it up and sucking yeah. the Grail out. Yeah. And then, for... it, and then my favorite scene where the servants are riding rocks, uh, the the rocks are being sucked up into the thing. Oh yeah. It's like what? What is this? It's ridiculous, and I love it. We also got Berserker transforming into a giant bee <clears throat> cannon. Yeah, like Berserker goes all end of Akira <laughs> on us, um, and and Mordred like tries to use her version of Excalibur on him, and like he splits apart, but then he just grows even more heads. And our favorite necromancer dude is like, "Okay, uh, time to go." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's enough of that. Yeah, because because Spartacus is about to, about to explode himself in like a flesh nuke. I just love like all the other servants are just like, nope, we're getting the hell out of here. Yeah, but John de Arc's like, well, crap, I can't leave. I guess I'll use my noble phantasm, which is literally just a big ass shield of light. Yeah. <laughs> which I know from Fate Grand Order because she has one of the best defensive noble phantasms because it makes you it literal invincible for a turn and gives you regen. It's very mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, I, I like the fight scene between, uh, Vlad and, uh, yeah, I guess he is the Lancer. I always want to call him the caster, but Shakespeare is the caster. No, yeah, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the other guy, he's the, uh, he's the Lancer for the red team. Yeah, he's Lancer, except he doesn't actually use a lance, really. He's, he does? He uses magic, mostly. No. I, oh yeah, I, I guess it's. He it's totally like a lance, a lance. It's like a lance staff. Yeah. It's like a combo wizard staff lance. Yeah, the only magic he's used so far is like the the fire. He's done fireballs. Yeah, he's done fireballs. He and has teleports. Kind of covering himself in fire. Also, also again, he can teleport. Yeah. I also like the, the reveal that, like, Vlad doesn't need to, like, impale you from the ground. He can just impale you from yourself. Yeah, his, yeah, his his explanation for it is like, oh, no, no, you don't understand. My power is not simply summoning spikes. My power is the very concept of impaling people. <laughs> and you're what? like, and you're like, and if you're like me, you would then ask yourself, what does that mean? <laughs> and it turns out it means he can just summon spikes from inside your body to impale you. Which which seems like something he'd just do at that the start. Yeah, it seems pretty OP. Thankfully he's fighting Karna, who's equally OP. Yeah. Well and and the and well also the thing about that is it has a limitation that he can only use it on his home ground. Fortunately, uh, that's precisely where they are. Yes. Yeah, he's, that's where all he's gotta, the he's gotta be in Transylvania. <laughs> right. So, right. So that means that when they're on the when they're on the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, he's not on his own ground anymore, so he can't do that trick. Yeah, which like I feel I'm... Shiro definitely knew. Yeah, it's it's one of the reasons that they did that. But also, you see at the end that. Uh, What's his face? Who's uh, Darnick? Who's just like, hmm? I guess oh, we'll yeah. use the trump card now after the long spiel from yeah. him. Like, no, do not use that, even if I'm about to die. Yeah, mysterious exposition man. 
as I like to call him, because I couldn't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> so he was it. just Mysterious Exposition Man. Uh, yeah. He, his name is Darnick Preston. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Darnick. Just... Oh, God, I love some of these fate names. <laughs> like, whatever. bad uh, some of the vampire names. Okay, but see, the difference between fate, like, non-Japanese names and uh, Monogatari vampire names is that Monogatari vampire names are fantastic. <laughs> they're, they're just utterly ridiculous and out I... there, and I, f- and I feel like they know that and just try to make it even worse. Well, yeah, because, like, for basically every other person in Monogatari, they have pretty normal names. But then when you get to the vampires, it's just completely and utterly ludicrous, and I love it. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. I mean, even even the fa- uh, like the vampire hunters are kind of like baseline anime ridiculous. Like Guillotine Cutter, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a super anime name, but it's not, but it's not wild. <laughs> but then you get to the actual vampire names, and you're like, whoa, slow down, Nisian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, yeah, see, there's a oh yeah, dramaturgy episode, which is like. Yeah. Well, again, those are the vampire hunter names. I know. Those are like, okay, those are like baseline shonen anime names. Uh, but then you've got, oh God, I, I said this, la- I'm pretty sure I said this last week, but I think yeah, you did. I will, I think it bears repeating though, uh, I believe, that uh, the other vampire names are Deathtopia, Deathtopia Virtuoso Suicide Master. I, I feel like uh, he thinks he gets paid in dashes like like however many dashes he uses well well, that's the thing like that name actually only has one hyphen which is for suicide master what yeah compare that uh to kiss shot who why the hell does the wiki only ever refer to her as shinobu this is bullshit kiss shot acerola orion heart under blade yeah i know i'm just trying to find the, where the wiki actually spells out her full name so I can see how many hyphens they have. Uh, let's see, I count four. Okay, yeah, there's, yeah, it's for, yeah, one, two, three, four. Yeah, okay. So yeah, there's only one hyphen for Deathtopia, total of four for Kiss Shot, then three for tropical-esque homo-wave dog strings. <laughs> it's just so dumb. It's so horrendously stupid. Ah, uh, it's it's actually the best, Aaron. It's this is this is this is what I love about Monogatari, actually. Like some people, they're like, oh, I love. For some people who watch Monogatari, they're like, oh yeah, it's all about incestuous, to- incestuous toothbrushing. But for me, <laughs> it's fair, like... that was for a me, great scene. For, mo- for me, my aesthetic is vampire names. So this is fake Monogatari now, huh? Uh, anyway, yeah, so... Uh, I'll give this episode a four. Yeah, I'll give it a four. It was a solid episode. Got two more episodes. Although I really feel like they could. Oh wait, no, not two more episodes. It's actually a twenty-five episode show. Yep. Which seems weird to me because I really feel like they could wrap it up in like one or two more. So how much anime original stuff are we gonna get? 
I don't think so. It's just so. the Not. the no. I don't know how long the book is, or at, rather, at what point we are in the book. It'll be interesting because it really feels like we're nearing the end. Speaking of the end, all right, Made in Abyss, episode ten. Told you it gets uh, dark. Yeah, I like. I wasn't expecting. Because one of the things I liked about Made in Abyss was that even though it was like definitely a dark show, um, it was dark in a more philosophical way. Uh, kind of like how Dark Souls is dark. Because um, in Dark Souls, like there's a little grotesquerie. Um, in some of the enemy designs, but for the most part, it, it's not dark because of like blood or gore or anything. It's dark because it's like kind of like existentially depressing and bleak, uh, which is what Made in Abyss start out as. Um, but over the course of the show, it's gradually moved away from being philosophically dark and being just straight up like Walking Dead style dark. Uh, and this is sort of, this is sort of like the, um, exaggeration of that direction, of that new direction in episode 10. Uh, and it got to the point where I just actually couldn't stand it anymore, and I skipped ahead. Um, I skipped a lot, uh, actually. Um, uh, like, e even when we got sort of past the, the worst part of it, and we met the... Uh, the monster creature that helps out uh, the Reg. bunny girl. Yeah, the but her name who I thought was a bunny person, but is her name is in the, her name is Nanachi. Nanachi, yeah. When we got to Nanachi, um, e even then I started skipping ahead because I realized like, oh yeah, the, I actually don't care about any of this dialogue because I know what's about to happen and it's just going to be like ten minutes of just faffing about until we get to the point. And I think that is the that is when I realized. Wait, I don't like Made in Abyss anymore. Uh, like I don't I don't enjoy watching it. Anymore. <laughs> I still like it. I thought this was a fine episode. Oh, I I could not stand it. I hated it. Um, like even even if it didn't have that level of like, even if I wasn't. Uh, nearly as disturbed as I was by the visuals in it, um, I still would have had a pretty negative opinion about the episode, simply because all the things that I that really drew me to the show are just gone now. Um, as I was like mentioning to Fathomless Blue on Twitter, um, he was saying like how how much he liked the the directing of the episode and. I agree, like, the directing of this episode was very good. In the technical aspects, Maiden Abyss is still excellent. Um, but I... For, for quite a while now, um, part of the reason I watched Maiden The big reasons why I watched Maiden Abyss were for the character interactions, which I found very charming, um, for the plot that was paced well, and for the dialogue that was engaging. And all three of those are either not nearly on the same level as they used to be or are just completely absent now. Like, the most of the charming characters are gone um, to, to be replaced by Reg and uh, 
Rico kind of just stumbling around trying to survive. Most of the dialogue they have is just, how do we get out of this situation now? Um, the, and every other character they meet is typically an asshole. Um, the plot development has been much slower than it was in past episodes, where at this point I'm just waiting for them to like get to the point a lot of the time. Uh, and the dialogue is for a lot of the uh, for a lot of the episodes largely um, ex- either expository in nature or just very redundant, um, and doesn't serve a whole lot of purpose outside of like explaining what's going on to the audience. And all the thing, all the things I liked about this show have just slowly disappeared. Yeah. I'm still I'm still enjoying it. And like it sucks. I I don't like that I don't like this show anymore. Uh I I hate that it's come to this, but I I don't think I want to watch the next two episodes. Like I I don't think I want to. Uh, um there's three more episodes and oh god. The last one's an hour long. Uh, I will say I, it's from where I think they're going to go it, you might as well just drop it here yeah that's pretty much what Fabulous Blue said and is that like this is indicative of where it's going to be now and if you mm-hmm. don't like that then you should just not bother and so I was like yeah I guess I'll just stop <laughs> yeah this definitely is a turning point in the tone yeah like I <clears throat> I, I, I've been wanting to catch up on uh, Dragon Ball Super anyway. I've actually really been enjoying it so far. Um, I, I'm up to the uh, Future Trunks saga now uh, and have been really enjoying it. So that'll yeah. just give me even more time to watch Dragon Ball. So uh, Yeah, I stopped, actually I stopped watching right before that started. Oh yeah, you, you, you stopped right at the end of the... Uh, um, the universe seven versus six battle. Yeah. Yeah. The the future. I I like that uh, arc. Um, super. The the trunk saga one is even better. But yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah, because Maiden Abyss only gets darker from here on. Yeah. Oh. In that case, yeah, I'm done. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm still on board. <laughs> I'm still on board with this show. I'm going to give this episode a four. Yeah, I'm going to watch another episode or so and see where it goes. I can go with his four, but not much more. Wait, wait, wait. Larry, did you watch his entire episode? Yes, I watched the entire episode. I'm surprised. I figured you'd quit like Dustin. No, I... There was... Um, I wasn't quite in the right mind when I watched the show. Let's put it that way. But yeah, uh, did you watch it drunk? Uh, just about. Oh, like, okay. I, I can understand why, um, like why people are sticking with it, um, and uh, the Fabulous Blue also mentioned uh, when he was talking about it uh, that uh, the anime is actually quite an improvement on the original manga, uh, since apparently the original manga author had a. Um, not so great habit of fetishizing the gore and the nudity, uh, which 
man, if if the show I'm had sure actually I fetishized the uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, I don't oh. think I agree with that at all. Okay, well, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, let me let me quote him more accurately. Uh, he says, "But from what I hear, it actively fetishizes the gore and nudity." So he okay. he doesn't know himself. That's apparently just what the word was uh, going on about the manga uh, <clears throat> when um, there was buzz about the uh, adaptation. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, like, the, apparently there was some uh, uncertainty surrounding the adaptation and whether it would like stick with some aspects that some people found off-putting about the manga. Yeah, yeah. The main the the main thing was this scene here in this episode because this is when it then when stuff begins to to fall apart. But yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So like, I, I get why people would like it because I mean there are certainly aspects of it that are um, worthy of praise. It's just it's not going a it's not going in the direction that I initially like signed up for. Well, yeah, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was actually, I did a little bit of research, uh, and uh, it turns out the director of the show uh, directed Monster back in the day, which is one of my favorite shows ever. That's interesting, but still, it's, uh, Monster wasn't original, though. It was, no. It was off of a manga, wasn't yeah, it? it was, uh, yeah, it was based off a manga by uh, Naoki Urasawa. So, it's still a matter of adaptation, yes. so... But that's the thing, is that the direction in this the direction in this show has just been top notch. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh well, like I said, Caesar, I'm not out to bury you, but I'll give it a couple more episodes. New chapter of Flying Witch. Everything is good again. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, uh, does anyone have anything else to say about um, uh, Maiden Abyss? Uh, no. no. It pretty much, it pretty much covers it, I think. All right. So, uh, yeah, I'll give this episode... I'll give it a two. Understandably so. All right. Anyway, uh, let's move on to Hero Academy, episode 35. Yeah. I love this episode. Yeah, it's real good. Yeah. Um, I especially like that they kind of address the fact that... Uh, Oh, that! Oh, why can't I remember her name? I'm so bad at remembering names. Momo. Um, the we... yeah, the creation girl. Momo. Yeah, that they address the fact that Momo hasn't really gotten to do anything recently, and that's actually been like an in-universe thing with her character, where she feels like she's falling behind everyone else, uh, especially when compared to Todoroki, who is like one of the single best heroes in the academy uh and that they actually let her do something rad and uh show that like her 
one of her strengths is her intelligence and ability to think sort of outside the box and look into um, uh, more creative solutions to problems. Uh, though, honestly, one of my favorite parts was just straight up like the um, the match that uh, Froppy and my favorite bird boy Tokiyami yeah. Tokiyami had. That was a fantastic team up. Uh, like they instantly like <laughs> meshed well meshed well together. Uh, Froppy's plan at the end was super good and clever, and I did not see it coming. Uh, and like yeah, I just really enjoyed all the team ups in this episode, and I'm very much looking forward to how Uraraka gets out of her. Uh, uh, gets out of her problem with uh, the black hole uh, hero, especially since she's been teamed up with one of the like literal joke characters. Yep. She's yeah. going to. And Momo, we call that thinking fast on one's feet. Right, and and the well, thing about that is that that actually uh, she uh, you know she managed to like in the course of this you know in the course of this battle you know, she managed to address one of her weaknesses, which was, in fact, <clears throat> you know, you know, coming up with, coming up with a decision, a quick decision in the moment. Because, yeah. uh, because her problem was is that she was always, uh, you know, she suffered from decision paralysis, you know, in the heat of combat. <clears throat> yeah, I... I just, the only thing I, the only minor quibble I have with this episode is the implication that they won because, um, uh, because Eraser went, sort of, like, went easy on them right at the end, um, which granted, like, he initially debunks that, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, that's nice, I'm glad they didn't go that route, but then, um, that's kind of undercut by... Uh, the healing lady of the school going like, "Oh, you're getting, you're going soft on them, huh?" But yeah, that that's really my only issue with the episode is that they sort of leave that. Oh, did she did she did she actually win, or did did uh, he go easy on them at the end? Like, it was left up in the air, and I didn't really care for that because I feel it takes away from her victory a bit. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I really enjoyed this episode, uh, and I definitely give it a five. Yes, I'm gonna give it a five. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Because thing is, is that Me she too. came up with she came up with a a use for her quirk that was genuinely smart. Yeah. Yeah. Beca yeah. But right, because she can create you know non-limiting things that you know that she understands the structure of. So you know, so so you know, she uh when she does research into, like, you know, unusual materials, that really pays off. Yeah. Because she can make anything out of anything. As long as it's inanimate. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> right. So if she, you know, studies up more on material science, <laughs> she could be a beast. Yep. She could just, like, make a shotgun. <laughs> You know, I wonder. I wonder if that is possible. 
Now that could she create? It. She could. Could she just create like the sharpest sword in the universe? If she tried hard enough. Yeah, this is a mono, This is a mono molecular blade. <laughs> right. Well, it's a shave on right. Earth, and this isn't Dollar Shave Club. Yeah. Right. This is this is a tiny batch of C four. Again, that's it'd be interesting on because they don't go into a whole lot of detail what quirk limitations are. So right. Well, okay. Well, so, well the the limitation is is that uh, for one thing, there's a limited amount of mass that she can create. That is actually okay. that's actually been in in the first season that that actually yeah they went into so that. no rocket launchers. Yeah, and but she could, but she could just create arsenic if you really want to. Kill right. Somebody. So the other thing, <laughs> the, the other limitation which can be dealt with is that she actually has to understand the structure of the things that she's creating. So, like I said, you know, it, uh, as, as her that that mean, doesn't that mean that she can create theoretical things? Yeah, she like yeah, she could. As yeah. long as you she have understands any idea how useful structure. that would be in a scientific application? I know, right? Yeah, you could. Ju- she could just make the Higgs boson. But that that <laughs> like that would revolutionize things. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you, you, you wouldn't need the hadron collider. You could just like uh, stick one of those. Uh, uh, mole- you could just stick one of those particle. Uh, sensors at her chest and she could just generate whatever like <laughs> theoretical particle you needed okay I, I, I feel like this I, I do like the I do like the implication though that like one of the molecular structures she knows extremely well is Matryoshka dolls <laughs> what? for some reason yeah because in this episode like one of the gags is that Todoroki tells her to just like keep creating small things just constantly so that way, you know, when her when uh, she's suddenly not able to, that's when they know that Eraser's nearby. Um, and, like, the random <laughs> small thing she stumbles on just constantly creating is a bunch of Matryoshka dolls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, like, you have these scenes where Matryoshka dolls keep, like, popping out of her bosom. Yeah, except that they're bombs. Oh, oh yeah, I forgot that they're explosive. <laughs> So, so she understands how to make explode. Like this seems to be an incredibly powerful quirk that, when used correctly, could beat anything. It, it de- yeah, devastating. Uh, yeah. Quirk even. So, so is it balanced just by her being stupid? Well, no. It's balanced by a lot of other people's powers being simil- similarly o- absurd. Like Todoroki can just make a gigantic ice wall that freezes everything in an instant in about a second. I mean, yeah, but what good is that when I've just summoned a nuke on top of your head? I mean, because... I mean, because, well, if she summoned a nuke, she'd murder herself, too, so that wouldn't really be useful. Okay, you get my point, though. Yeah, well, because if she wanted to make a weapon, she would have to then also use it, and Todoroki could freeze her before that happened. Okay, Uh, then why not simply... uh, Does she have to be touching the object as it's created, or... No, she can just make it. It can just pop out. But, like, if it's, like, a gun, she'd still have to pull the trigger. Okay, but what about chains? Just chain someone up or encase them in lead. I mean, uh, well, it has to come out of her. She can't just create it wherever. Oh, okay. That's what I was asking. Okay. 
yeah no like it, it comes it comes directly out of her body like it seems like the implication is that like her body can secrete molecules in the particular structure of the create of the item she wants to create what yeah which is which is why the which is why the matryoshka dolls pop directly out of her skin <laughs> i think i, I imagine... need to watch this episode now yeah, if like it let, let let me be clear here. If this weren't like sort of exaggerated like in cartoon style, it would probably be horrifying to see a Matryoshka doll just come out of a person. Like, <laughs> and then and then they explode. Yeah. Yeah, or or like at, at the very end she just like starts creating like a giant scarf that just start just just slowly uh like it, uh, comes out of her chest like a giant tapeworm. I can't remember. Are the are the powers limited by like uh, MP or something? Or no, can... I mean there uh, some uh, there is a, there is an implication that uh, powers do like uh, you do exert energy using your powers, but like there's no special there's no special energy. It's just like it tires you out. Like exercising a lot does. Like you just oh. have to refuel on calories. <laughs> You know, like a normal person. Yeah. Uh, so there's no MP or anything like that. She could easily destroy the world, effectively. I mean, yeah, theoretically. She was a supervillain. <laughs> this this seems okay. Again, it's kind of balanced out by a lot of other people's powers being ludicrous as well. Also, whose subs are you getting for these? Uh, I'm watching it on Crunchyroll. Um... Yeah, uh, but be before I did a Crunchyroll sub, though, I was doing horrible subs. Oh, okay. I didn't see it in the... Oh, whatever. Because they got it as... Uh, I think they used my instead of Boku no. But yeah, I mean, like, one of the villain's powers, like, is... If he touches you, you start decaying. Like, your body literally starts disintegrating. Which that I, seems bad. That would yeah. seem fatal. Yeah, he's kind of the main villain of the of the series oh, so far. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy with the hand glued to his face. Yeah, him. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that. Well, and well, also the, uh, you know, the man behind the man is uh, is uh, all for one. All who, for one. Who yeah. can who can and, who can basically take who can take people's quirks away and then give them to other people. Yeah, yeah. All, all for one's quirk is that he can literally just steal your quirk, and you don't have it anymore. And then he can give quirks to whoever he wants. Again. So, just saying. So yeah, there, there's a, there's a lot of OP powers in My Hero Academy, which, uh, which makes you, feel, which makes you really feel bad for some of the people whose quirks are decidedly less. OP like, like the frog girl yeah like the frog girl though like she gets by on just being very smart and skilled She's the... Froppy is essentially the Batman of My Hero Academy <laughs> how about the uh, the invisible girl in that it, oh yeah also invisible girl yeah, yeah, yeah her power I mean, is just be being invisible she just seems to be quite limited on that uh, I mean that's her big thing uh, you can't see me Unless I got clothes on, then you can see my clothes. Oh, okay, that definitely limits the application. Yeah, but yeah, like, Fro yeah, Froppy in this world is essentially Batman, in the sense that, like, uh, 
in in a world where everyone has powers where like all the main characters have powers that are just ludicrous her main thing is like she has a long tongue that's that's uh prehensile and also she can jump real good so she mostly gets by on being one of the most skilled members of the team she just like overcompensates <laughs> one of these days i'd really like a a superhero type show like this but played completely straight as like an, an adult type thing to where it was taken to like the extreme of what would actually happen if people like this were in the world okay so in that case what you want to read is uh miracle man uh by alan moore i'm pretty sure i got the that author and title right yeah exactly yeah miracle man by alan moore that is the comic that i think you want to read because like, done correctly the the superpower things it would be insane yeah <laughs> also i think that's kind of what the the, the ref, uh, actually that another superhero show that's happening this season the reflection there's a little bit of that there as well in that people are terrified of the people who got powers because they're nuts <laughs> Like uh, I, I'm not. I think uh, I think last week, um, you had left the 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 conversation by the time that Ben and I started talking about the reflection. But in last week's episode, a woman dies because someone has because one of the villains has shadow powers where they can just create a shadow portal that you fall through. So they just create a shadow portal above like a concrete sidewalk. And this woman just uh, sunk into the shadow portal, and then they removed the shadow portal, so she just died from being f phased into a sidewalk. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and granted, like, that sounds worse than the show presents it. Like, the show is, is very light on sort of... Uh, like and that, there's actually been no real gore so far. It's a very very stylized show, but it's also the reflection is also very much a show about like, um, sort of how terrifying superheroes might be, and sort of like why people would react negatively to superheroes just suddenly appearing. But yeah. Anyway, we've gotten super off track. Yes, we did. And, yeah, yeah, it was. Miracle Man by Alan Moore. Yeah, Miracle Man by Alan Moore. Uh, one of his most acclaimed works. Uh, though keep in mind, it's still like a, a comic by Alan Moore. Uh, so, you know, th it's going to go through all the typical Alan Moore tropes. I have no idea who he is, so I don't know what those uh, are. He did, he... Uh, Alan Moore wrote... How are, you are you familiar with Watchmen? Yeah. That was written by Alan Moore. Okay. Okay. That 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 explains everything that needs to be said. Yeah. So so expect expect Miracle Man to contain similar uh, uh, content and themes. Like it's it's certainly not exactly the same. Um, but uh, yeah, expect expect grittiness. Expect some like just absurd levels of gore at some point. <laughs> uh, 
Mm. All right. But anyway, yeah. uh, Hero Academy. Yeah, Hero Academy. I give it a. I give it a five. I give it a five as well. Yeah, I already gave it a five. Or at least I wrote it down. All right. So let's move on to uh, Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul episode twenty-one, where um, where Nina finally realizes that the boy she has a crush on may be a bad person. Yes, and all it and all it took was for someone to assassinate her best friend. <laughs> Congratulations, Nina! Uh, you no, figured it out. Yeah, Doctor Rita scene got me. That's yeah, Dr. and Rita. like, and like to be fair, when uh, when Nina asks, "Hey, did did uh." Uh, did Maguro die on uh, the prince's orders when Favreau says, I'm not, who knows? Like, he's being accurate in that he didn't technically order anyone to do that. But also, I don't think he'd uh, he'd exactly be unhappy uh, knowing that Maguro got murdered. <laughs> in well, fact, he'd probably be like, okay, well, good. That's one less thing I have to worry about. Well, he mentioned somewhere in the early part of it when they were first, when they first escaped to heaven, that he wanted him dead. So anybody that yeah. was anybody was standing in earshot ha- heard that. Yeah, exactly. So even though he didn't technically order it, like he still definitely <laughs> was hoping it would happen. So yeah, so yes, Nina, the, leaving leaving the prince alive did indirectly murder your best friend. Good job. Well. It looks like the Onyx Knights had a little secret that I was kind of suspecting, and then uh, Mister, yeah, I want to be the superstar knight. Wait a minute, I got to get my life literally. Uh, I super like that scene because oh. it just so very clearly reveals him uh, for the complete, like, brown nosing coward he is, and that he so wants to be this like awesome knight not because he actually wants to serve the prince just because it he thinks it'll make him look like a badass uh and then when the lead onyx knight is like here this is what you got to do you got to put this gem inside you and then like you're it'll suck your life force from you and you'll look like a zombie he's like oh okay well i didn't i didn't really want to do that And, like, he knows he looks like a just complete moron and coward. <laughs> well, I so mean, let, let's be accurate on the descriptions. I do believe you hit that on the head. The only problem is, is what he did, uh, he, man, he started a war. I mean. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, Joan of Arc is like, uh, okay, fine. Kill my kid. Yeah, that I'll, dude is going to die. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, kid. honestly, good. Like kill my kid. Well, and then Das, the uh, the other large knight, who's uh, uh, Kaiser's friend, is like, uh, yeah, I can't go back to the castle. Uh, can you use an extra hand? I'm kind of bored. Those yeah, those, those, those were the two best scenes that I. Uh... Yeah, that blonde knight's life is pretty much forfeit at this point, and honestly, he's had it coming. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, if we're foreshadowing, and he's going to end up with a knife in his back, and uh, the thing that got me is, I guess, and I knew it was going to come, is like you know when 
everything finally hit Nina. She says, okay, well, I'll go fix this. What do you mean? I'll go fix this. What do you mean? I'll go fix this. And they're like, and Rita's the one's like, you idiots. Go keep an eye on yeah. her. She's about to do something incredibly stupid. I do super like what Azazel does in this episode, where, like, he visits Lucifer and rightly calls Lucifer out on, like, just sitting in his throne room completely detached from all the suffering that the other demons are going through. Uh, and Lucifer's whole thing is like, oh, well, you didn't succeed, Azazel. And Azazel's like, well, at least I friggin' tried. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it didn't go as planned, but, you know, it did go. There was a plan. It's, it's like I gave it my best shot. It's not my fault that you left me out there to try and save them all on my own and didn't bother supporting me because you were too busy sitting in a chair reading books while a bunch of sycophants told you how awesome you were. Well, and <laughs> that's, that's your typical dictator call, you know. Mr. Tater sits there on the chair and the masses are suffering but he's doing fine so everything's okay yeah. which like to lucifer's credit like he eventually does realize that azazel is right and says like okay i will punch you in the face once for being insubordinate but like also you're right how can i help you that's i have to admit that was an interesting way to gain one person's attention just haul off yeah. and deck them in the nose like, right, Which means that so far, literal Satan is a better ruler than the human prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the thing that gets me is... I understand Nina's cleaning thing. I understand Nina finally sitting there looking at the dress and it all hitting her like a ton of bricks. I, yeah, I can understand all that. What I can't understand yeah. is... Um, Bacchus's take on the whole thing it's like Bacchus knew this was going to happen and he, he just sat there aloof and didn't do a thing about it uh, Bacchus has always been one who didn't really want to get super involved um, just because like he doesn't like effort he kind of just wants to be left alone yeah. um, so I can believe that he'd still try to maintain, like, his independence even to the detriment of others. Um, but yeah, I, I, I actually did like Nina's reaction to this event because, uh, yeah, uh, like, her sort of just do it, keeping herself busy to, like, um, kind of stay in denial over the new reality of their situation is definitely something that is within her character to do. Uh, so I, I did like sort of the progression of how she went from sort of like keeping busy and trying to stay her normal self to just completely breaking down and being like, and then eventually like having a discussion with Favro where she's like, okay, well, I, if, if I have to, I will kill him. <laughs> It's like, finally, thank God. Yeah, it seems, uh, yeah, so it seems in terms of the structure of this show, like, that whole, you know, <clears throat> star-crossed lovers thing, you know, was kind of a wrong, I mean, it was a wrong turn, but the writers seem to be, you know, uh, getting away from that. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I, I really hope we have abandoned 
that plot line now because the current one is way better. Um, but yeah, anyway, I will give this episode... Uh, I'll give this one a 5-2, actually. Uh, nah, I'm yep, on the same. 4 wagon. Yeah, I'll give it a 4. I'm on the 4 wagon. All right. It was there was some things in there that just kind of it's like you know the commercial. Wow, I could add a V eight. <laughs> All right, so uh, moving on to uh, Shokaku no Altair episode nine. Man, this kid's got no luck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, it, for some reason, Shokaku no Altair. Maybe it's because, like, so many of the scenes have just extremely dense expository sequences. Uh, but, like, whenever I watch an episode of Altair, like, I generally remember what happened and that I enjoyed it. But the details are just, like, if you ask me to give you a plot synopsis, I'd be like, um, they infiltrated a palace and did a thing? <laughs> like... Yeah. It just washes right over me like a like a duck. I don't know why. It's just this weird thing about how Altair is is structured. Right. So yeah. So what's happening here? Yeah. In terms of the overall plot, is that uh, is that the Empire is attempting to use uh, one of Turkey's uh, structural weak structural weaknesses against it, which is that. Uh, which is that Turkey, in this uh, at this point, is not really a single nation, but a confederation of nations. Uh, so like, so the, so it's got like basically five countries that are well nominally independent of each other, and uh, you know, and the uh, the rulers of these uh, countries are very jealous of their prerogatives and independence. Yeah. And to a fault. Yeah, I, I remember really liking the actual infiltration sequence um, where they... Uh, where uh, Mahmut comes up with, like, this really clever plan um where like halfway through it looks like they make a mistake and get mm -hmm. captured but in reality they they were using that uh mistake the quote-unquote mistake to uh as part of the plan all along <laughs> yeah right. it's like uh he goes oh yeah i can take out 25 guys easy we'll just watch this kafoof Hey, yeah. Also, yeah. also, I just like in general. I I also just like the pacing of how uh, Altair does fights because it's it it's a very like quick and precise affair. Whenever people like take out weapons, like they they typically like the fight <clears throat> scenes are typically not extended. Um, like even against mooks, there's not a whole lot of flash. It's just like. Someone draws a sword, and then they kill someone. <laughs> uh. Right, because uh, right, because the thing about this, the thing about this show, is that 
like, like, the real action isn't in, like, the fight itself, but rather in the strategic thinking that goes, yeah. that goes into preparing for the fight. Yeah. And all, like, the plans and, like, the plans and contingencies and all that. Yeah. So, what we got down to here is, uh, brother against Sultan, and, uh, I'm not sure where the girl figure's in, but, uh, yeah, the, there's uh, a... Well, yeah, the girl is the, uh, the girl is the niece of the Sultan. Yeah. Uh, who I and believe she, is the yeah, is the daughter of uh, another Sultan. Yeah, it's, that would be that family thing. You know, keep it all in the family. Right. Uh, but she's basically poo-pooed her uh, uncle, father, whatever, and World War right. III is about to occur because of it. Right, because uh, right, because she's in favor of uh, greater integration with, uh, you know, with uh, with Turkey, as you know, because you know she's you know she's in favor of greater unification in the you know, in the face of the threat from the uh, empire. Oh, wrong empire! Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I have these moments. You just got to deal with them. Um, on the whole, it's a nice setup. I just hope we have enough episodes to really execute it well. Uh, well, yeah. This is actually this is a two. This is going for two cores. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'll give it a four. Yeah, I can I can live with a four. I'll give it a four as well. Alright, finally, let's talk about The Reflection, Episode 9, um, where we kind of see a flaw in Exxon's approach to super superheroing, because he's very good at it, but also he's actually like super bad at communicating with people, and that inability to like open up even a little bit um, drives... Uh, oh crap! I can't remember what the journalist's name is. Uh, Eleanor. Yeah, it drives Eleanor to like basically sacrifice herself to uh, attempt to save uh, all the people that um, Wraith has captured. Um. Also, I I find the uh, character development uh, with I Guy to be very interesting, where. He's he's almost overcompensating with uh, how he was in the past. Where now he's like, I'm dark and gritty. <laughs> uh, he's he's very much going for a sort of uh, a Christopher Nolan Batman vibe with his personality now. Uh huh. Um. But yeah, I I really enjoyed this episode for the. Uh, wrinkles it brought in the plot uh particularly like i particularly like the conversation that eleanor had with the lady who can control metal um and that like she realizes that eleanor eventually realizes that this metal lady it can't actually kill her or really hurt her at all like 
she's perfectly safe, and that's because apparently they want her for some reason. And because of that, like, they're able to just talk for a bit about sort of their shared experiences and shared trauma, um, and sort of muse on the fact that, like, even though they're they both kind of have similar backgrounds. They turned out very differently. Yeah, and because and uh, right, because there was a bunch of scenes which were like showing like uh, you know uh, the metal lady's life before the reflection happened. Yeah, I I really like how that one was framed, where they give you just enough information for you to like intuit what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can I continue to like how uh, how the reflection is very much going for its own sort of personal style, uh, and how that style ends up working out very well for it. Yeah, I'm I'm enjoying this show. It's it it certainly helps it stand out from a lot of other anime, uh, even even other anime in the superhero genre. Um, it very much stands out from. Um, and it, it's very much to its benefit. Uh, so I, I kind of hope we see more stuff from this studio. Um, it's, it's, because if the, re if the reflection is any indication, they show promise. Uh, this is Studio Dean. Oh, really? This is Dean? Yes. Man, that's a completely different style than they usually go for. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing, is that this is the, okay, you know, the director of this... The director of this was the same guy who directed both Mushishi and Akunohana. Okay, that okay, the Mushishi connection suddenly makes a lot of sense. All right, that's fascinating. Yeah, the uh, I mean, yeah, thing thing about thing about Dean is that as a studio, they don't really have. Oh yeah, you're right. They don't really have a house style. They're very no, much sort of it, almost one of yeah, those mega it, studios. Right, yeah. So for them it's all about like what kind of directors and animators they get on the project. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at their hist history their history of work now and you're yeah, you're very much right. Uh they are they are more sort of a mega studio that sort of hires directors and the directors then apply their particular style to the adaptation or original work man i totally forgot that they 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 were the studio that did uh rakugo yep man it seems like dean is the studio that's done a lot of anime that i've enjoyed but can never remember the studio of <laughs> <laughs> Like, if there's ever an anime where I'm like, oh, that was, like, pretty good or interesting, and, like, I can't remember who did it, it seems like it's Dean, apparently, from what I'm seeing here. Because they also did Pat Labor. <laughs> that was a lot. That was a way. Yeah, that was that a was... long, yeah, that was back in the late 80s, yeah. Um, which, man, we should, we should definitely do Pat Labor at some point. Uh, yeah, I watched that. Yeah, I watched the. I actually, uh, I actually watched that last year and really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a good show. Anyway, uh, I'm very looking forward to the next episode of the reflection um, because, like the the cliffhangers that they've set up in 
episode nine are all very good and interesting. Um, and I like how things are kind of like there. We're at the point in the story arc where things kind of like start falling apart for the heroes. Um, and uh, there's a lot of good conflicts going on. So I'll give this episode a five. Yeah, same here. So yeah, I, that'll actually do it for this episode of Bakacast. Um, so surprisingly positive episode, like outside of Maiden Abyss, like I I was more positive than I was expecting about some of these shows. So pretty solid, Maiden, pretty solid week of anime. Maiden Abyss, uh, like I said, uh, Ozen foreshadowed some weird things were going to happen. And just kind of like, whoa, well, yeah, yeah. did happen, didn't they? Anyway, so uh, next week uh, uh, we'll probably do a um, season preview, uh, and also I did, um, I did a, a, like about a, f- a few weeks ago. I did actually finish up watching um, Diamond Is Unbreakable, so I'll probably talk about that with Ben. Oh, since we did, since we did promise we were going to do that. Yeah, I am not quite done with that, but I can finish it up. I can finish it up this week. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that. Ben and I will uh, go over Diamond is Unbreakable next week, uh, and yeah, I believe that will be it. Um, what did you get? As always. Uh, as always, if you'd like, you can follow me on Twitter at Sils the GM, and you can follow me on Twitter at at DeathSlinky. And uh, if you want to send us questions or comments, you can always do so on our blogs at projectharahi.net or uh, audioentropy.com. Or you can send us an email at bakacast at projectharahi.net. Ben? Dustin? Three, two, one. Kinnabush. Hmm. Anime. Much better than terrestrial TV. Outlander's, Outlander's awesome, though. I've heard good things about BoJack Horseman.